Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We welcome you to another installment of the Golf Show presented by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. I'm WSBT Radio Sports Director Darren Pritchett. Welcome to the program, and I am joined by my esteemed colleagues. We have John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, and Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club. Guys, great to be with you on this Saturday morning, our next-to-last show of the 2020 season. Hope you guys are well today. Yep, we're doing good. Good Tim, morning, you got to be smiling from ear to ear. Sunshine, 70, 80 degrees the next few days. That's the type of forecast you're looking for as the owner of a golf course. Yeah, um, uh, it's about time. we got to get this rain away. It's uh, been kind of a brutal May, but... Uh, uh, yep, good to see the sunshine. So why don't we start where we always start? Hi, John. How are you? I'm really frustrated because it's sunny and warm out, and we're not open. I How's know. That? Yeah, Warren Golf Course <laughs> at Notre Dame, for people that have not been with us, never opened this spring, and so we're just waiting to see when the golf course is going to open. So, John, can you offer any update from what you said last week? Well, just that, I mean, I know we're closer to that that time than we were last week. Um, what that time is, I'm still not sure of. I'm hopeful that it'll, you know, maybe the end of next week or so. I'm, again, that's that's me hoping. I've supplied all the information that's been requested by the uh, administration. Um, I think they're really good on, on our plan for the safety protocols and things like that. Um, I, I don't know. Something's holding it up at this point, but hopefully that'll be taken care of. And maybe this time next week when we're talking, I'll have something a little bit better to say. Sounds like you've been a budget director the last few days. Oh, well, director of a lot of stuff except golf. So, <laughs> Yeah, very true. Well, I think once you open, you just bring in Steve Stricker to hit the ceremonial first tee shot. Yeah, I don't think he's doing anything else. No. Yeah. Might cost a couple of pennies, but hey, that would be a heck of a way to kick things off. And we're going to—I don't know. The, the last time he was here, he made like three quarters of a million dollars. So I think he ought to do it freebie. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're going to remember the 2019 Senior Open coming up in our next segment. And of course, Steve Stricker ran away with the golf tournament—a six-shot victory over David Toms and Jerry Clark. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But I would have to think, guys, at this point, with all the rain that we've had and with all the people working at your golf course, that your respective golf courses have to be in absolutely perfect shape. In fact, you could probably theoretically play a, a pretty good tournament on your golf courses right now. Tim, where do you stand right now at Blackthorne? Yeah, I mean, it's in good shape that uh, um, you know the water this week and definitely made it a little bit softer out there, but... Uh, um, the grass is growing, the rough is thick, and um, it's uh, it's really in good shape right now. Just to be curious, and I'm not sure how much you get to talk to some of your patrons, but you've mentioned to me a couple of times that 
Dan Hampton's been over. The former Chicago Bears, great to play at Blackthorn, lives in the Chicagoland area. What is it about the golf course that people from Chicago and outlying areas love so much about your golf course that keep them coming back when there are a lot of choices that could be even closer from where they are just staying in the state of Indiana? Well, I think the golf course is, and we've you know, talked about this on the show in the past, it's just, I think it's a very fair golf course. It's, it's fun to play. It's, you can kind of hit it and spray it and still find your ball. Um, but yet, you know, challenging and, and beautiful at the same time. I think for us, too, from Chicago, is just the location being right off the toll road and just a quick buzz over uh, as well. And obviously the main reason right now is that we're getting so much Chicago plays because you can only play in twosomes with no carts. Um, but, uh, yeah, we continue to see it um, um, every day. We've got uh, Illinois plates in the in the parking lot, and – um, we're, we'd love to have them. Hmm. John, from your perspective, I know the clubhouse is closed right now, but are you getting a lot of phone calls, emails from people outside the area that, hey, I might be on vacation or I'm coming in for a conference and I want to play? Are people, are you getting a lot of individuals checking in to see about the state of the golf course? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a full-time job um and that that goes for a lot of the local people and our regular players as well but we've had uh, a number of groups that are due to be in in uh, june july august and beyond who keep checking to see uh, not are we open now but will we be open by the time they're you know coming and all we have to tell them really is that you know we're hopeful that would happen and i would certainly think so but we'll notify you as soon as we know something solid and and but we do get a number of inquiries as well. I think the fact that on the website it still it states that we are closed, that saves a lot of people from calling and saying, hey, are you open? Open, But that doesn't satisfy the people that maybe have had plans to come here. Even I got one this morning uh, from a guy that's going to be here for, you know, planning on a football game and also wanting to play golf. Well, both of those are somewhat in question, even though I think uh, the answer was – or it was taking – the question was answered about football uh, earlier this week that, you know, indeed, barring something catastrophic again, that we will have a football season. But, yeah, it's uh, people are anxious and people are um, <laughs> they're just curious as to what our situation is and what it will be. I drove by Warren the other day and, John, just looking at a couple of the holes that you can see from the road. It looks like you could hold a college golf tournament there tomorrow, and the people coming in would not even know that there hasn't been any golf played on the golf course, and maybe the full group of individuals working on the course haven't been out there as event. It looks absolutely spectacular. It's good. Uh, I'm, I'll disagree with you a little bit. They would know that it's been closed because there's not a divot or ball mark on the property <laughs> right now. So. Touche. Yes. <laughs> Very, very true. Very true. And by the way, you looked fabulous last night on the news. I was watching News 22 while I was broadcasting Sportsbeat, and and they were doing a feature on Notre Dame golf, and there you were handing them a trophy. I mean, you had the vest going. You had the the gear going. I mean, I was really, really impressed. I, I tell you what, when when you step up to the plate, you bring it from a fashion standpoint. Uh <laughs> Yeah, well, I was on there for, what, a second or so? I think Pete <laughs> gratuitously put me on. Um, yeah, 
it was it was a really nice piece he did i will say about yeah. john hanrigan and our golf team and the fact that it was interrupted i i thought it was really really well done despite yeah. the fact that i was on camera for a little while so. and that awkward moment you looked at the camera and then backed off it was a little <laughs> i was a little uncomfortable for a second i was well, wondering you know, what was like going to happen i don't i don't like the spotlight as you know so i was just well, trying to stay out of the way Tim, obviously, when you learned from John way back in the day, <laughs> you know, I watched you at the Symmetra Tour event. I noticed that you have it perfected down to a science. You don't have those awkward moments with the TV. I learned a lot from John. <laughs> I'm not sure we can no, talk about that, that on the show, but, yeah, right. I don't well, recall those lessons. Well, the obvious is, well, can you give us an example, Tim, of what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> How about not? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be on the podcast, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that'll be on the podcast. All right. Or in the my autobiography, I'll, I'll bring it up. <laughs> Tim, with the state of Indiana continuing to open up a little further, Governor Holcomb has has pushed up the steps, as we saw earlier this week. What does that mean for your indoor golf facility or anything else that you're working on right now? Well, we um, we've opened um, our bar and restaurant in downtown Spirited last night or Tuesday night. Um, and we are just kind of finalizing plans on how to open the indoor golf. That's just such a different animal with people um, in those booths and uh, how to keep them clean and, you know, how to social distance. And uh, we're not quite comfortable on how that will work. So we're still trying to figure that piece out. But um, hopefully we can get uh, that open uh, sometime in June. And then I think from uh, um, the golf course perspective, we will probably open our clubhouse back up here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and uh, the pro shop and everything will get will get open and kind of uh, back to normal, so to speak, uh, as much as you can. But, um, yeah, I think uh, we just have to be cautious and careful, and we have to um, make sure that we are – uh, being good stewards and being good uh, citizens and do the right things and make the right choices. John, when you open it, Warren, do you expect the clubhouse to be open, or is that something farther down the line? Yeah, I'm afraid it's going to be farther down the line, Darren. We've, um, at least in my proposal, it was that we operate out of the starter cottage the, near the first tee, and it's it's kind of custom made for that. It's got a, a sliding glass window and a you know a little built-in mm-hmm. counter thing on the. Uh, underneath the awning on the north side of it that we could do our transactions if need be. You're right by the first tee, so you don't have to worry about a separate starter. The person there can do that as well and uh, is right near the cart staging as well. So the pro shop, unfortunately, our merchandise sales are obviously going to suffer tremendously, um, but we do plan on getting our online store up and running in the very near future and hopefully you know before the summer's out we'll be back in the clubhouse but that's probably going to be dependent upon you know what the university feels but i i can i think there are ways for us to pull that off i mean uh, the bookstore is opening this weekend the morris end's opening this weekend using similar protocols i think we could pull that off too i mean there's so much you have to think about just even down to the starter in that little cottage by the first tee. I, you have to take extra precautions there. So there's a lot more that goes into opening a golf course than I'm sure the average individual like me can even think about. Well, the other consideration, too, is that with the fact that, you know, it's been a tremendous 
drain on the university financially that it's up to us to be good stewards of the resources they give us. So when you talk about the starter out there, it's probably going to be me <laughs> okay, or, or one of my the other three professional staff here. Uh, we don't envision bringing anybody back, unfortunately, for the first part of the opening. And um, the same thing with, with Matt's maintenance crew. We have a few uh, people we will bring back to supplement some of the mowing activities, but it's going to be a skeleton crew on his side, too. We're just trying to be as careful as we can with the university's sure. resources and still provide a product that we feel is uh, worthy of the university. The Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra on WSBT Radio. John Foster, Tim Firestone, Darren Pritchett with you on this Saturday morning. So did either one of you guys watch the TaylorMade Charity Skins game that was Sunday at Seminole Golf Course in which... Roy McElroy and Dustin Johnson defeated Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. Anybody check it out? I did. Yeah, I did too. I saw some of it. What was your yeah. reaction to the way that the golf tournament was displayed to viewers on NBC? Did you enjoy it? Um, I would say, you know, first of all, it was great just to see anything live and on TV and especially golf. So that right. was enjoyable. Um, you know, I don't know. It had some, some cool parts to it. You know, I liked how they were mic'd up. I think the personalities of those four, you know, were not the greatest um, <laughs> to be mic'd up. Uh, so it could have been a little better. Um, but uh, you know, no, I thought it was. I thought it was okay. Um, um, not great. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the match on Sunday. <laughs> With Tiger yeah. and Phil, I think that will definitely have a little bit more uh, flair to it. But um, and I just don't know how much I can watch Wolf swing. You know, Ugh. it's just it's just I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. It's like he's in a closet <laughs> trying to swing. Oh. Mine doesn't like, look. Like I don't know. <laughs> I real I, I feel really good at least the look of my golf swing. Not sure I can execute it, but boy, oh boy. Whatever it takes to get the job done, it works well for him. It hits the ball a long way, that's for yeah. sure. John, did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I kind of. Uh, I agree with Tim. If I were to pick four players that were charismatic and be entertaining to listen to, those wouldn't be the four, unfortunately. Um, and so that's okay, though. It was nice to see some live golf. I was what I was really interested in was seeing Seminole for the first time. Um, I, what a really cool golf course, and I understand now why it's always rated in the top five to ten in the world. Um, so that was kind of cool to see. But the, the, the crowd interactions, I, I read an article the other day that said that pretty well settled the fact that the Ryder Cup will not be the Ryder Cup, and it will. Yeah. they shouldn't even hold it if crowds aren't in attendance. But right. Right. As you guys know, that whole thing thrives off of crowd interactions, crowd reactions, and it's just not the same watching you know, four guys play golf, basically, and carrying their own bag. So. <laughs> Agree there, and it yeah. took an extra hole where they did a, a wedge off from 120 yards, and Roy McIlroy won that. I will say Roy would be good in the commentary category if you put better people around him. There just wasn't really anyone to play off of some of his comments. In fact, one of the better comments we couldn't hear because the announcers were yakking over the top, and the announcers had to say, hey, this is what they just said. And uh, that was, I think it was the second hole when Wolf was in one of those 
bunkers that you could actually put your club down in the sand. And he made a little smart aleck comment well, Dustin Johnson, who, of course, yeah. got penalized <laughs> at Whistling Straits in a major a few years ago. And they said, well, it didn't look like Dustin liked that comment very much. Well, you know what? Let us hear that. That's, that's one of the better parts of having the guys mic'd. It's not the announcers repeating what they said. All right, so let me throw a couple of questions at you. First off, I – I think you could tell the guys hadn't played a whole lot because I thought the level of play very early on was very, very poor. I mean, you look at the first hole, that's a gimme birdie hole for four professionals and all four made par. So I thought the level of play suffered a little bit because I just don't think the guys had picked up many clubs. In fact, I think DJ said he picked up clubs twice since the Players' Championship when everything stopped. Well, you could tell, I think he hit it the worst from what I at the time that I watched it. He was all over. Um, but yeah, I also think like how motivated and grinding it out are they? You know what I mean? Sure. John's points, four guys playing golf, carrying their own bag and shorts. <laughs> you know, like what's their real focus and motivation here? You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't yeah. think we saw the same level of play if it was a real tournament. And here's my other yeah. thing. I Like John, I was curious to see Seminole, and it looks like a fun course to play, but I'm not sure it's a great course for a skins game. Mm-hmm. And maybe, guys, yeah, I'm blinded yeah. by not having fans there. Golf courses look different when fans are not standing around the greens. But there was so much sand and just off of fairways. I guess I'm I'm wanting to see birdies and eagles when I'm – Watching a skins game, I'm not overly interested in watching four pars, so that's why I guess I was a little eh on Seminole being at the site of a skins game, although I think the golf course is fine, but not really for an event where you want to see birdies and eagles. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's it's not an easy golf course by any No. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the reasons, I mean, I don't know if you, you heard this, but we have a couple people at the university, and actually one of them is the, the president of Seminole, he was on, they interviewed him actually yeah. prior or during the show, but there are 330 members and 200 members are single digit handicapped. So it's a player's club and they love the challenge. And uh, so I, I don't disagree though, uh, Darren, that from a skins game standpoint, you want to see a lot of fireworks and stuff. I'm not so sure that course provides that. Okay. So let me ask you a couple of questions and I'm wanting to know if things done in this event would work for regular PGA Tour events. I want to get your thoughts on this. First off, golfers wearing shorts. They get to wear them now for practice rounds, but we saw the guys playing in this charity event in shorts. Does it make sense for the PGA Tour to go to the guys wearing shorts in actual events? No. I, I don't like it either. Mm-mm. Really? Okay. I thought they looked pretty snazzy. I want to see Mickelson's calves. I mean, come on. Those bad boys are like oak trees. Come on. Let's show them off a little bit. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Now, I think we all have the same answer for this, but I'm just going to throw it out there because it's been talked about. There were no caddies. The players were carrying their own bag. Would that work? No, not because when they play a regular event, they got to have their staff bag with all their – the gear, ancillary yeah. stuff in it, and those babies, as Tim can tell you, weigh a lot. So, um, no, that's that's a non-starter. I think. Do they have to have the staff bag? Well, if they want to carry their rain suits and all the other stuff, okay. I, I mean, I think it's more of a, a just they feel 
comfortable with it. I mean, the fact that everything's in there, you know, whether it be energy bars or, I mean, just a number of myriad of things that they probably don't necessarily need, but they like having. And, I mean, if they didn't need staff bags, I don't think they'd be um, having their caddies carry them just for the heck of it. I think there's a reason they have those. I agree with you. I was just trying to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the players just feel comfortable. It's a part of the game too, you know, mm-hmm. talking through shots and you know. Here's the other all thing, those Tim, is that you can't get a lot of logos on a carry bag. <laughs> That's right. One of the main reasons they carry the, sta- or the uh, staff bags as well, or they have them. That's right. I that do may like be the main reason. Yeah, I do like the golfer thinking for himself. I found that kind of interesting, but again, I understand the Katie relationship. Okay, so what about adding incentives during PGA Tour events? For example, in this charity event, they had a long drive hole, and you picked up $100,000 if you had the longest drive. Does that factor in at all in the playing of a golf tournament? Would that affect the golf tournament too much? Is that a silly idea? Um, I think it's a silly idea. I do, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's not a golf outing. It's a golf tournament, and... Um, I, no, I don't. I don't think it would add anything, Darren. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm pretty much a traditionalist, but I just don't see what it would add. Yeah, and I don't think the players would even give it a thought. Oh, that's true. No. Good point. Agreed. Yeah. Except Unless, the guys that are 158 exactly. on the money list, you know, yeah. that's we don't care about anyway. I guess you could do closest to the pin. That would actually make more sense because they're not even going to really think about that. All right. Finally. What do you think about putting microphones on the golfers? And not every golfer in the golf tournament, but possibly the last couple of groups. Or if you have someone, I'll just use an example like Mickelson, who might be in the 10th group from the end. You still mic him, and every once in a while you might get a nugget. Is that something you think that would help PGA Tour coverage? I, I think they have that, and they don't have a mic, but they have the the um, sound uh, the boom booms on every yeah. hole, and, and they're really near them. I mean, you know how many times these guys have misspoke, and they catch it on tape, and they have to apologize for the language that they use. So um, I don't think the players would agree to be directly mic necessarily, Darren, but the, it's almost the same thing right now. Yeah, I think it would be awesome, but I don't think the players – would probably let that happen, um, but definitely entertaining. I mean, I think some of the conversations that would go on between players and caddies when they're sitting around on a tee box or whatever would be yeah, oh, yeah. super entertaining, but yeah. I don't you think actually, they would want that made public. <laughs> you could actually mic the caddy, and that way they would not have the equipment on them, and still the audio would be picked up. I guess that's a way to work around the golfers having yeah. to avoid putting the equipment on the back of their belt, that's for sure. Okay, so all those were shot down. So much for that. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> I like the shorts idea, but everything else, I'm in total agreement with you guys. All right, we'll take a timeout. John Foster, Tim Firestone, Darren Pritchett with you. We'll take a look back at last summer's U.S. Senior Open at Warren Golf Course. We'll tell some stories next on 96.1 WSBT and live on WSBTradio.com. We're back on the Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett with John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course in Notre Dame. Tim Firestone, the owner at Blackthorn. Last summer was the 2019 U.S. Senior Open at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Steve Stricker won the golf tournament. He blew away the field. David Toms and and 
I'm trying to think. Jerry Kelly. I wrote down Jerry Clark on my notes. I have no idea who Jerry Clark is, but it was Jerry <laughs> Kelly. They both he worked lost at the by... Sunoco station right here by his office. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I've never heard of Jerry Clark. It's like half baseball player, half country music singer. I don't know. But anyway, Stricker won by six shots. So, John, from your perspective, I guess there's probably – Going into a professional golf tournament that's at your facility, there's a list of five or six guys you'd want to win to represent your golf course with all the exposure that comes with it. Where does Steve Stricker land on that list? Uh, he's right at the top, Darren. I mean, uh, I'm not saying that just because he won, but if you had asked me beforehand, I mean, it was so critical for us the two years leading up that he play in this thing because he didn't play in the one the year before at Broadmoor and he was eligible for it. So we had, you know, we, we were all over the USGA and they were all over the, the senior tour to try to determine if indeed he was going to play because, as you guys know, he holds his uh, tournament the week before in Madison. And he he's very busy. He even, you know, he plays in it, obviously. But um, so we were afraid that maybe he wouldn't come. So that just tells you how important we felt he was and how great a thing it was for him to have won. John, there was a lot of rain the night before the golf tournament got started. Considering that and everything else, how well do you believe the golf course held up? Well, it, it's probably the only thing that one could say was disappointing about the championship was that prior to the Wednesday night rain that we had, uh, when Thursday being the first round, like during the practice rounds, the players were really struggling because we had the course firm and fast and the greens were very hard. And that's what the USGA wanted. And the players I talked to said, we think four to five under might win this thing. I mean, they were struggling. And because the fairways were firmer, the ball was rolling into the rough more. Uh, and then we get that inch of rain on Wednesday night, and it changed everything. I mean, you saw the scores, uh, the course records, 262 shot on Thursday. It just changed everything. Now, I will say this is the – Week the the tournament went on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It got progressively harder, and on Sunday, only one guy broke par. So that tells you what what it could have been. But you know what? At the end of the day, the best players were still at the top, and we feel the best player that week won anyway. So just maybe our pride was hurt a little bit that the numbers were so low. Hmm. So Tim, as a spectator, what did you enjoy about? Warren Golf Course, and watching a major championship being played on it? Well, the beer was very cold. Hospitality <laughs> <laughs> um, suite on uh, number four. Um, no, I think it's cool. Anytime you can play the same golf course that, you know, the guys that you grew up watching and playing and seeing right there, I think it was also cool to see. You know, some of the guys from Indiana that played in the event that we mm -hmm. knew, and um, that was pretty cool. And uh, seeing Tom Watson, the legend, uh, walking around there uh, with Greg was cool. So there was a lot of cool mm -hmm. memories that, uh, from the tournament week. And Greg Helmkamp, your associate golf professional. Mm -hmm. John was the caddy for Tom Watson. And I, I remember talking to him after it was all done. I mean, you could just see that was a thrill of a lifetime. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, I'm so happy for him because um, he does such a great job for us, and what a, what a neat way to reward him. Um, so 
I, I, like you said, I think it was one of the highlights of his golf life, at least, and will continue to be. Okay, so let's get to the storytelling. So let's go back to the first round, John. There was all of a sudden you could see a little incident as we're watching the coverage on TV as Darren Clark is going down a fairway and his arms are going up in the air and he's doing all the talking with a couple of USGA officials who were very kind to listen through the whole process. And it all centered around a simple little bird feeder. So set things up. What hole were we talking about and why in the world did this bird feeder lead to so much chaos and we had animal organizations threatening lawsuits i mean it ended up just being a story for the ages yeah it was something i didn't anticipate going into it um i think it shows you the power of television so it was on our 10th hole championship 10 which is day-to-day our seventh hole uh which sits just south of the clubhouse here so uh, and the, the, the birdhouses are part of our Audubon program here. We're a certified sanctuary, and as such, we fledge bluebirds. And I think we have 85 to 90 birdhouses across the golf course, and most of them are out of play, and that was basically out of play. Um, but they are listed on the hard card, the competitor's card, as uh, immovable obstructions. Um, so it was very well-defined. The rules officials knew that. The players, of course, never read those things. They should, but they never do. So Darren pulled his drive left, and it was in the rough near the left side bunkers there. And when I say rough, it was in the the high fescue. Well, he happened to have a really good lie. And so normally you do get relief um, from an immovable obstruction if it's in your way, your line of flight, in an area of intended stance and swing but in this case he would have to have dropped and i think he felt like well there's no way i'm going to get a lie this good and it really wasn't that much in his way i mean one could argue that he shouldn't have even gotten relief so instead he had his caddy yank it out of the ground well he thought he could unbeknownst to his caddy that goes down about six feet and it's anchored in concrete so what he did instead was try to wait move it back and forth. It's still bent. You can go out there and look at it now. And uh, you couldn't see it uh, live, but a bird flew out. A baby bird fell out of the thing. And so he, there wasn't a rules official there. When he was on the AT, they informed him that he was going to get a two-stroke penalty for trying to, you know, what he did, trying to move that immovable obstruction. And he went crazy. And uh, he was where you saw it on TV. He was on nine, which was two holes later, with Ben Kimball and I forget who the other official was, still chewing on him about it. Well, the backstory is I think he was like four over at that point through nine holes. I mean, he was not having a good time anyway, and everybody knows he's got a bit of a temper. So that's that, you know, say end of, end of uh, story. However, when I came in the next day, I had a phone message from a lady in Chicago who saw it. And she basically said that um, she she wanted his caddy arrested because they had violated the Migratory uh, Bird Act. And, <laughs> and so she left her number and said she expected a call back. So I went to the USGA and 
they actually that Don Donovan this head of security. Uh, I asked Mike Davis actually was in the trailer when I went in there, and Mike said have Don take care of it. And so, lo and behold, I guess he knew a guy in D.C. in the fisheries and wildlife area. They called him and they said, indeed, it was a violation, but it didn't rise to the level of prosecution, and therefore they weren't going to pursue it. He, um, Don called the lady back, and she was very nice. He explained, and she was just happy that we'd followed up on it. Um, So... I mean, it's just crazy. It's but when you watch it now and and you see it in slow motion, there was a bird that came out of it, and that's what had her upset. So there. Are you allowed to tell the secondary part of the story about Jack Nicholas? Yeah, I mean, he was in he was in the cart with Don when I approached him. They were at the clubhouse here, and Jack actually had gone to the restroom, and Don was sitting out front, and I was explaining it to him, and then Jack came out. And sat in the car, and he goes, what are you talking about? And I told him, and I said, why don't you go? Why don't you call her back? I said, you've got some gravitas. Maybe she'll listen to you. And he goes, John, I, I don't talk to crazy people. So, <laughs> You know what? So, I, even as a broadcaster, I would have been nervous telling that story to Jack Nicholas. <laughs> That's intimidating. It was so bizarre. I mean, it was it was something that I, he also made a couple of comments about some other protected species in some uh, a couple of courses that he was trying to build on at one point. I forget exactly what that was. So anyway, he was engaged somewhat. Telling a story about birds to the golden bear. It just seems <laughs> absolutely perfect. That is a terrific story. And it was a terrific four days, the U.S. Senior Open at Warren. So I'll close with this. Any chance we'll see another big-time professional golf tournament at Warren down the line? Well, if we never get open, I doubt if we will. To answer your question, Darren, it's something that, you know, is kind of an ongoing conversation (laughs) with the USGA. But uh, it'll be a while. I mean, to come back to a market this size with a major event, uh, within, say, a seven- or eight-year period, you know, it's almost like I don't know if the market could support it the way it did the first time around, but we're continuing to talk, and we'd be very interested in, in having something here. Very good. Story time with John Foster here on the Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. We'll take a break. More Golf Show coming up on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Welcome back to the Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. I'm WSBT Radio Sports Director Darren Pritchett, joined by Tim Firestone, the owner at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend, and John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Well, coming up Sunday at 3 o'clock on TBS and TNT is the match. It is a charity event. And the money raised will go to COVID-19 response. And a great matchup. It is Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady taking on Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. A couple of years ago, the first match, Phil Mickelson defeated Tiger Woods and took home $9 million. Here is Tiger, then Phil, talking about that match. Tiger was fun. I thought it was was crazy that um, we're doing it in Vegas under the lights. Uh, We had a little moment where it was... uh, getting a little towards dark and we didn't know where to have enough light. At the time I was one down, I chipped in on 17 to make it a little more interesting. And then we play a par three uh, from the clubhouse a few times and <laughs> winning. 
So obviously, Ernie, the thing I came away with uh, the last match was, uh, you know, nine million dollars. That was uh, that was nice, and as well as this uh, little trophy. But the thing is, Ernie, Ernie, uh, Tiger's gotten the best of me throughout our careers. I mean, if you look at the big picture, the guy's got the greatest record in the history of the game. So any little thing that I have, uh, I'll hold on to. And this win, I'll hold on to that. And I know that it bothered him. You know why I know it bothered him? Because he insisted that we come back and compete the next one at his home course so that he had the home course advantage. I totally understand that line of thinking. I probably would have done the same thing if I had lost and was pissed off too. But Tom and I are going to go down to your home course and we are going to defend our title again. And then there will be no excuses. Mickelson is a huge Chargers fan, so Manning and Brady being a part of this brings back some bad memories for the lefty. It's like Phil's Chargers. There's always going to be a team, you know, that's worse than you, right? <laughs> yeah, both of you guys owned our Chargers. So so for me, I want you to realize how big of it is for me to come out and, and, and be with you both because I have had such hostility for so many years. <laughs> Phil, I'll give you the last word. Well, I have the utmost respect for these three individuals. I think Tiger's the greatest golfer that's ever played, and these two are the, the two best at what they do. And for these gentlemen to come together and use their platform to help others and do it in a fun, entertaining way, I just really appreciate it. And it's also in an area that it's not your comfort zone. You grew up, uh, both Tom and Peyton, playing football, not golf, and they're going out of their comfort zone, going on national TV to uh, showcase their, their golf game. And that's uh, that's always a, not an easy thing to do. But for them to do that and do it for others to, to create a fun, entertaining uh, environment as well as help others, I just have a lot of respect for. So, so just know that the smack talk that we have, it's all in good fun, and I have nothing but the utmost respect respect for these uh, three gentlemen. You might remember the Patriots and Tom Brady being involved in Deflategate when he was a quarterback for New England, and that led to a lot of controversy. It led to a suspension. Peyton Manning's Colts are the ones that allegedly turned in the Patriots for using footballs that were not inflated enough. So that is still in the back of the mind of Brady entering this particular event. I feel like there's a little advantage. I've been studying a lot of film and filming a lot of Peyton's rounds the last couple of weeks. So I feel like I've at least got a head start at, um, so, you know, it's just part of it's the preparation and that gives you a lot of confidence. So I feel like, you know, in two weeks when, when we actually start, I'm going to be prepared. I know what I'm going against. And hopefully after Phil and I win, they don't go, you know, try to change the rules on us or, or you know, send the tapes into the to the NFL. I don't know if Peyton can still do that now that he's retired and try to change some of the rules to make it a little easier the next time. But And no surprise, Manning was able to bring a pretty good trash talk game to the table. The tournament had to be in Florida. You know, after Tom's B and E arrest, uh, you know, with the ankle monitor, he couldn't leave the state. Uh, so it had to be in Florida. Uh, Tiger and I talked to the sheriff in Tampa. He's going to be allowed to go to Palm Beach to play. Uh, I'll be honest, I've never played Tom very well on his home turf. And so maybe this is considered a neutral site. And I would have loved to have had this tournament in a place where they don't like Tom very much Indianapolis, Denver, Boston. <laughs> You know, after he just betrayed them and broke their hearts. So Palm Beach is the best we can probably do. Uh, look, I think the teams are fair. 
I think, uh, you know, Phil chose the right partner and Tom together. You know, they have 11 championships. Tiger and I have 17, the way I count it, right, Tiger? <laughs> so you can catch the match this Sunday at 3 o'clock on TNT. More golf show coming up next on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. The golf show presented by Michelob Ultra, hopefully Warren will be open next week at this time. So, Tim, it's all yours. What's coming up at Blackthorn? We're open for play. Come on out, blackthorngolf.com. Very good. Guys, enjoyed it as always. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Darren. For John and Tim, I'm Darren. The Golf Show presented by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend on WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 